Hello, welcome to Family the Podcast Together. We are the Heinz family, and today we are talking about an interesting topic, purity culture, which we have plenty of experience with. So, I guess we're starting with mom and dad. Because we have plenty of experience with purity. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we have two children. Because purity. So, as all of you know... Randy and I got pregnant when we were 16. I did not get pregnant. <laughs> and married, and so, you know, teenage pregnancy there. But while we were in youth ministry, the purity culture kind of exploded, and all of the promise rings and the contracts and the I Kiss Dating Goodbye book and, you know, Straw and a tomato illustrations. What? 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 I've what? never heard that one. I haven't. Straw and tomato. Yeah. You mean like a straw or like <laughs> horse straw? <laughs> hey, straw. Oh. <laughs> no, like you know a a straw that you drink with. Yeah. Or a knife. Please. Please, please use this illustration. Yeah, please we need explain to hear this illustration. I don't know this one. Well, you just hold the tomato and you put straws in it. And every time you pull the straw out, part of the tomato comes out. Uh, and you're giving your heart uh, away with every gotcha. So don't use your straw or else you're going to lose parts of your tomato. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Bob the tomato being impaled. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it lasted very long. Apparently well, not because... Larry. I didn't get this explanation, so it must not have lasted very long. I don't remember that one at all. No. Phil Vischer said that they are not romantic because they are not sexual beings. They are vegetables. Vegetables, vegetables. do not procreate in the same way that yes. humans do. They are not gay nor straight. Okay. But anyway. Who cares? <laughs> but anyway. So because of, or I don't know if it was because of how we started but this hit a chord with us because it felt like maybe a solution to what we had experienced and so um, it was pushed really hard in youth groups around that time and we had the whole youth group read I Kiss Dating Goodbye or I don't think we read it together but we encouraged them to and um, there were several other books and I was sitting here trying to think of some other ones, but I don't remember. Well, and I think it was it was more than just. I mean, you can't paint purity culture just into the act. It was about protecting your emotions and protecting your heart, and um, it was yeah, it was putting a different value on relationships because it. Sorry about that abrupt stop. We had to pause because mom had to go to the bathroom. We ate Mexican today. We had a little Los Amigos. <laughs> so, uh, back to protecting your heart. And Jeanette got out of here to protect her from a fart. Uh, <laughs> beans, beans, beans. The <laughs> How rude. <laughs> so, but um, it was something besides the whole... Don't, don't have, have sex. sex talk. It was 
it was more preventative in the way of your emotions and uh, I, I remember the I guess was it in it wasn't I guess dating goodbye I think it was Ron Luce that talked about you don't decide to be pure in the back seat of a car mm-hmm. um, but it was the idea of protecting your emotions and and going beyond just the act um, what's the verse guard your heart for from it springs life or something mm-hmm. something like that yeah yeah so I mean it it was a, a a proactive approach, but then also just put an extra weight on people. And oh, yeah, you you brought up the idea of courtship. Like yes, it was the idea of courtship, as well as the sexual purity. So relationships, it put a higher value on relationships, because the ultimate idea of a relationship was to find a spouse. Yeah, and and so you weren't just out messing around with your heart because your heart belonged to your spouse. Um, and I mean, the illustration that I used one time and I forgot who we stole it from, but was you, you take a flower and got all your petals on it and you, you know, each person comes along, you pull a petal off and you say, you know, this belongs to you, this belongs to you. And by the time you get to your spouse, all you got is a stem to give to them. So that was the whole concept of it. And yeah, there you go. I I think it was it was dangerous because of religious people taking hold of it. I mean, it's the same thing that we do with um, legalism and everything else. We just take it overboard and we make it so much more than it has to be. I mean, you you know you can talk about protecting your heart and protecting your body and you know having respect for yourself and the other person and and it be a healthy conversation but it really wasn't brought forth that way it was i feel like it was almost out of fear <laughs> like it would instill fear into kids who were hearing it and you know oh my gosh if i make out with somebody in the back seat I'm going to hell or nobody's ever going to love me or you know I'm going to screw up my whole future mm-hmm. I can never be happy yeah. I mean there's a lot of shame guilt fear I, I think it's also really demeaning like using the the pedal example of of this is all you're giving to your spouse it makes you seem less of a person yeah after that it's it's not even just I'm going to hell but I'm I'm no longer as good of a person. I'm no longer as worthy. Yeah, I don't think the hell talk really came into it a lot. It wasn't that. No. It was. It really was the fear of your spouse is going to be so disappointed in you. Yeah. That was what I felt yeah. growing up in it. You're less of a person that you're yeah. giving to your spouse. Yeah. And the other thing is it puts so much on romantic relationships. Like, you can give your heart away in platonic relationships, too, and it never acknowledged that. Like, yeah. I've been hurt by friends yeah. just as much as anybody that I thought of romantically. Yeah. Well, I think, and we can get into this, whatever, but it, uh, it puts, it puts that, that weight in there, but it's like, I don't know, it, it's, again, I guess it's just a weight. Mm-hmm. And my brain just farted. So, 
His brain had Mexican food, too. My, my brain had Mexican food. <laughs> it is about nap 30 for me. So, you guys were in that in um, youth pastoring. How did that come over into parenting? <laughs> well, I mean, unfortunately, Alex was oh, our first. Oh, she's triggered now. And uh, <laughs> so she, she got the whole... She was an only child for six years, and she... I was the guinea pig. She, yeah, I mean, the first child is always the guinea pig, and you feel like they have to be perfect. And so... And Alex grew up in our youth group. Like, we didn't keep her out of things. She played in the floor with Barbies while we were having youth group mm-hmm. a lot of times, and she played with the kids and things like that. So she heard a, a lot of what was going on. Um, if it was something we thought was she didn't need to hear, we just you know, let her stay with the grandparents or whatever, but we were so deep into it and just didn't want her to have the same kind of mistakes that we did that we put a lot of pressure on her and a lot of things. And so we told Alex that she wasn't allowed to date. Um, if she was interested in somebody, they were supposed to meet us first and meet us as a family and not as just an individual, uh, you know, being her. And um, they weren't to be alone. Um, I mean, basically, if she met somebody and she was interested, they were interested, they were supposed to ask us, talk to us about it, and then we would go from there. I think that kind of happens now with, we always meet the person that Ethan brings around. Yeah, I don't bring people around. That's, that's part of the part of the game. But well, and first. I and I think I'm I mean, yeah, y'all put me in that, but I put things on myself too. Like I read all the time, so I was also reading these books on my own. Like I think y'all gave me I kissed dating goodbye, but I remember going and buying books on my own. Like I remember a book called Dateable. The DeMarcos wrote that. Um I know that I read whatever the book Elizabeth Elliot wrote about it. Something it's got purity in the name. Passion for purity maybe. I read that on my own, like, so I was also putting all of that on myself. Alex is, like we've all talked about before, when we get into something, we get obsessed with it. (laughs) And Alex does that with something she feels passionate about. And so she did that with purity and just was like, okay, so I need to engulf myself (laughs) and have all the knowledge. So she go out and buy books and and we you know didn't discourage that we were proud of her for taking the initiative and and wanting to be the best person that she could be and we just really didn't address the pressure that she was and it and it was also everywhere like we we had a magazine subscription called brio Oh, yeah, we got a Brio every month, and then yeah. when I turned like 16, it was Brio and Beyond, because I was older. But, you know, it was just as much. Like, this lasted a long time, this idea, and I remember that one of the Brio girls wrote a book called Never Been Kissed. Yeah. And that was one of the big things. When you guys sat me down when I was like 12 or 13, it was part of this is we believe you shouldn't kiss someone until you are married to them. Like, your first kiss should be on your wedding day. Um, and that was what that book was about. Like, this girl decided she was going to live by that. Um, and just kind of how difficult it was for her going through that and how it kind of makes you feel left out. But that was the whole point of that book. And I remember reading that, and that was like my whole identity was, 
I'm going to wait in every way that I possibly can. But the problem is for me that turned into a, I'm also going to close off everything. Like I wasn't going to allow myself to be vulnerable in any way with anybody. So emotions were off the table too. Because Alex is such an introvert, I feel like it was a comfort. It gave me a reason to not. Like it gave me a reason to say no. So if anybody did express interest and I just felt awkward about it, I would say, oh, I'm not allowed to date. Or, oh, I don't believe in that. So it, it was probably a terrible thing for me in that way because it gave me an out when I really should have been pushing myself out of my comfort zone. It gave me a righteous, like, holy reason to stay in my comfort zone. Yeah. 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 Also the fact that we were at a tiny school at church of 30 people. So I wasn't meeting a lot of different people either. (laughs) I guess it did last a lot longer than I thought because, I mean, it kind of started when we started youth ministry and you were tiny then, and it lasted through your yeah time in youth ministry. So yeah, and it um, I, I just think Ethan, you can you know attest to this. I guess I just feel like growing up in church, like being in church during your teenage teenage years with all of this in the backdrop, it felt like sex was a sin right underneath murder. Yeah. It was like the worst thing that you could do yeah. was you, you could kill somebody, you could have sex with someone and like that you're not married to. And those are the two worst things like that you could ever do on this planet. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's like, what it felt like. Um, mom, I married, I, I murdered a prostitute. <laughs> um, wait, why were you with a prostitute? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, it, it, it did almost feel worse because like... In, if you murder someone, you're going to jail. Right. You're in jail. Yeah. If you have sex with somebody, yeah. everybody in the church knows. You're still at the church. Yeah. It's different. And it's it was different to... Ethan and I have very different experiences with this, too, because yeah. I'm a girl. You're also older than me. I'm also older than you, so I got all of the fresh wave, like the first wave of it, but I'm also a girl. And purity culture mm-hmm. was so definite on girls. Like, we were the ones with the flower petals. You know, like, it, we were the ones that were losing our heart. You were the tomato. We were the tomato. We. Y'all are the straw. We were the straw. <laughs> and, and so it, it really, I think, put a lot more guilt on girls because then, too, is the stigma of pregnancy. Well, in a teen pregnancy, the girl is the one who's pregnant. Like, it's obvious, and yep. it's that way in the church. Um, so we had a different experience. And it puts a lot more pressure on the girl in that. Uh, you know, purity means modesty. Yes. And we had to go through the whole modest test. And the modest is hottest. I had that on a t-shirt. <laughs> and you was have to go V-neck? through the checklist of, you know, <laughs> there was a checklist and maybe it came from Brian. Um, no, a lot of it came from Ron Luce, actually. Um, he had the trampoline test for a t-shirt where if you basically pushed your shirt in between your boobs, like if it bounced up, your shirt was too tight. Yeah. Um... And I'm a well-endowed person, so it was really hard to find t-shirts that passed that test that didn't make me look frumpy. Um, So, yeah, that whole thing, too. Well, and I think during that time, too, we were, 
young parents, mm -hmm. trying to navigate just that period. Yeah. Then new converts in the way of embracing our walk. Yeah. Um, not the church so much, but so you, you're navigating all that. And I mean, let's get real. The messages that were getting thrown out, you know, um, people can call it empowerment, but it, it looked like a sellout to your sexuality on a lot of ways to where like young girls were getting sexualized pretty early. Yeah. And so there was an element in there to it was reactionary into the point to where it's like, um, I mean, the thing that I'm seeing in the in entertainment doesn't look healthy. Yeah, and I, mean, I still have that. Like that's like Britney Spears was the example at that time. Like like the that was a girl. knee jerk reaction. But we have to think about the fact that this is a 15, 16 year old girl that adult men were looking at as a sexual being so that that is a problem <laughs> yeah but i don't know that purity culture really it was like the opposite ditch yeah oh yeah always <laughs> the pendulum will swing one yeah. way or the other it's yeah. yeah and the other thing too is y'all were the youth pastors and when you're a pastor's kid you are the example so if you were asking your students parents to abide by this you also had to abide by this and i was the example of you abiding by that um, so there was that level of pressure too. Yeah. So I had to be the poster child for modest is hottest, and I had the purity ring that said "True Love Waits," and oh, yeah, the true I love listened waits. to Rebecca St. James. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was everywhere. It was. <laughs> yeah. It was everywhere. But I mean, we went to so many acquire the fires. You know, that was yeah. pounded into you and. <clears throat> and I, I remember, I mean, I was, I, I had like crushes and stuff in high school, but I never, I just kept using the, I'm not allowed to date thing. Um, so I was, you know, a senior in high school, um, before I had someone that I thought I want to pursue a relationship with this person. But then we were in college before that really happened. And I remember, um, there was a Christmas break. We were both at home and that was the first time we acknowledged like, hey, I like you, you like me, maybe this should be a thing. And we went to Panera, and we sat down, and I had this conversation with him. Like, I talked about courtship. And he said to me, he was like, this sounds like I have to sign a contract. Like, I don't, I have never heard anybody talk about dating like this before, and I don't think I like it. Um, and it, I didn't know any other way to operate, so I didn't really understand his discomfort with it. Um, and... He went back to school and had a different girlfriend within a month. Um, so it was, that was the first time I think my brain was like, maybe this isn't the way the rest of the world operates. Like, I just assumed anybody who professed to be a Christian dated, quote unquote, in that way. Um, so that was probably my first trek away from it. Yeah, we probably scared him off. Probably. I mean, he did come to the house. That was before that conversation. <laughs> Oh, was it? Yeah, we had that conversation, like, right before we went back to school. Oh. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's not who... That's not who you throw back at us. No, I mean, no. That was the first time I, on my own, was like, I'm going to start a relationship. I did have a guy... That was, like, eighth grade, though. 
maybe freshman year. Um, we, mom and dad administrated a very small school. So when I showed interest in someone, it was someone they were also with eight hours every day. Like it was very obvious to them that I would like this person, maybe even before I knew that I liked this person. So I got pulled into a classroom after school and I got the, I didn't get the flower petal talk. I got the diamond talk. Like, your heart is a precious gem and you can't just give it to anybody because they may trip and smash it. <laughs> I don't remember that. I do. And, and uh, I internalized that But I can as, totally understand why it, the analogy was with this person. With this person, yes. It's very specific to that person. That person, yes. Because they were very klutzy. But... I internalize that as I can't let anyone anywhere near my inner emotions. And you said last podcast, I'm a tough nut to crack. I think that's part of it is I've just, since I was about 12, thought I can't let anybody in there because they'll break it. (laughs) So it's hard for me to get vulnerable with anybody or be open with anybody. Wow. <laughs> There's so many things I don't remember. But I do I do want to throw out that I, I do identify as asexual now. Yeah. So I don't like... I thought I was really good at being pure, but I don't think I've ever really experienced sexual attraction to anyone. So for me, the danger of purity culture was just the emotional stuff. Because <clears throat> I don't think I would have acted on any of the attraction before because I didn't have it. I just didn't know that I wasn't experiencing it because I thought everybody had an internalized fear of romantic relationships. (laughs) So, there you go. Ethan? (laughs) Well, I mean, and, and from there, since then, Randy and I have come out of that thought process. Well, we've realized that that was just another kind of bondage. Yeah. <laughs> we've broken free of so many things. This is just one of the other things that we've, you know, grown out of and have different views of. <laughs> Do you want to say anything? I don't know. When, when you, so when you started being interested in girls, like, so... did any of this come up? I got a bit of what I would call second wave <laughs> purity culture. And by second wave, I mean remnants. Yeah. Because when I was getting that age, it wasn't as huge of an, of an emphasis, at least not with us. So I was kind of just hearing a lot of talk. Um, and I don't read like Alex does. So I wasn't reading any books. I would just hear things and kind of get this secondhand knowledge and form my own idea of what I thought this was. So I had a lot of answers without the explanation as to yeah. why that was the, I thought was the answer. So like I knew the term courtship, knew what it meant, didn't know why it was the plan or how to go about it. <laughs> um, because by the time it came around to you, we weren't sure if, that's still the way we wanted to handle things when alex complains about alex talks about how she got hardcore purity culture parents i got confused parents (laughs) (laughs) because we were in between churches um we were 
like still kind of figuring out what we were now. They weren't youth pastors anymore. They weren't youth pastors anymore because I had a year where we weren't ministering at all. Yeah. Um, and then we were going to a few different churches. We had some for a couple of years and then we'd go somewhere else. Um, and so I was seeing a big change there. Um, but so I, I will say it did I'm trying to think of wording. Do you think that it was a conversation like do you think that conversation was as prevalent with you as it was with me? Like I felt like every conversation we had when I was 13, 14 came back to that. I think they avoided it with me. <laughs> They, they're sitting right here. Yeah. Um, I think mom and dad avoided it with me until I brought it up. Maybe. Because I also assumed I was not, well, I don't know if I assumed. I, I said I was not allowed to date until freshman year of high school when I uh, had interest in a girl. And I sat down with mom and dad and was like, hey, I want to date her. Mm-hmm. And... and- she was also a firstborn daughter, so you got the... Yeah. Her family was in that awkward, how do we handle this space? Yeah. And her family had also worked in ministry, so they kind of... They understood We hung her. out with them all the time. Yeah, yeah our families were, family were tight. Shows. We went over there every Sunday. But after. After. After, yeah. But... Through eight uh, seasons of Walking Dead. So, with me, it wasn't... Your heart is a diamond... <laughs> It was keep her in mind, protect her emotions, yeah. and don't I mean, it kind of don't get her pregnant. Yeah. It <laughs> Think kinda, with the right head. It, it kind of goes along with how we parented, also. It really I mean, did. in general, because Alex was the firstborn, and you have to like. There's a seven year gap between us. Yeah, that's yeah. a big thing. I was 17 when Alex was born. I was 24. When Ethan was born, we had learned some things, but I knew that Ethan was the last. He was the baby, and we were a lot different parents by then. And I knew that he didn't have to be perfect, and it was okay, and I could just let him be a kid. Um, although he thinks he's perfect, I already, I already let her down on that front, so she gave up. Well, it was, <laughs> it was, he became a band geek. <laughs> It was a lot of things. I mean, it was like I got straight A's. That was the expectation. I was going to go to college and get a degree. Yeah. Ethan passed his classes. I put enough effort in to where I didn't have to try. Ethan passed his classes. He tried college. wasn't for him. Um, so it was just different <laughs> expectations. We gave up. We got it. We got you, it. You said it best. We gave up. But it was also we're different people. We are not the same person. No, Ethan you're and very I different. Are. Like so. And again, I internalized a lot of things. Like, the pressure was also me. Yeah. Ethan doesn't put that kind of pressure on himself. So, with me and Alex and I, we mentioned it a couple episodes ago. I don't remember what it was. But, um, purity culture didn't make me, like, internalize everything and be like, I'm going to wall myself off from people. It made me really good at hiding things. (laughs) Alex and I have talked about this multiple times. Um... Because, like, any time I felt like I was, I did something impure, I just didn't tell mom and dad. I just tried to act like nothing was happening and, and kept it away. 
You tried. You tried. I tried. You yeah. weren't as good at it as you think you were. So Ethan's internal <laughs> stress was, do people know this is happening? Do people, you, yeah, which is it is very indicative of how I think. I'm very yeah. much a, what do people think of me at all times? You're a performer. Yeah, kind of person. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was just, if I act like it's not there, no one can tell. <laughs> and, or I will distract them with some I'll other aspect them. of my personality. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And where do we stand on things now? Well, and also, before we move on, I also want to say, we joke all the time, I didn't have one mom. Yeah. I had two moms. You had two moms. And so I wasn't just getting mom and dad, I I also got a little bit from Alex. You got a lot from Alex. I got a lot from Alex. Ethan, Ethan got my internalized fears put onto him like that. That happened. Yeah, it did. <laughs> because I thought, you know, in my brain of sex is the worst thing that you could ever do, I wanted to protect him from doing the worst thing you could ever do. So it wasn't out of a place of, well, this was my expectation, so it has to be yours too. It was, I genuinely thought, this is a thing you should be concerned about. Yeah. Well, so... Would you say, though, that you two, so Alex would be, like, overthinking it beforehand, (laughs) internalizing it during the struggle, afterward carrying that struggle still and that guilt, Ethan put no consideration to it in the first place, (laughs) just do it, and then... Oh no. Realize. <laughs> oh wait. This thing happened. Suppress, try to hide. Yeah. If if I act like it's not there, if I stick my head in the sand, everybody else will stick their head in their sand with me. Yeah. And then it just goes away. You know that whole thing you don't decide to be pure in the back seat of a car? Yeah. Ethan doesn't decide to be pure and he doesn't think about it. He just gets in the back seat of the car thinking, oh, this is fun. Let's have fun. And then he's like, oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. It's not quite that simple. No. <laughs> no I no. do think we, like, our personalities, the, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. I'm going to ask permission every time. Yeah. I'm not just going to jump into something. Ethan's more spontaneous I, than me. I tend to feed the, like... I, I do whatever I like I want. Like Yeah. And I I usually can't talk myself out of things once I want it. Yeah. Thus the delayed gratification yeah. practice. Yeah. Yes. But I, I can internalize the guilt before I've even done anything wrong. Yeah. So I'm not gonna do the thing that I know will make me feel guilty later because I know I'll feel guilty later. Yeah. Ethan doesn't experience like the before guilt. Because you shouldn't. Like, that's not how my brain works. I don't feel bad about thinking something. Yeah. (laughs) But I do feel immense guilt afterwards. Yeah. For about two minutes. No. My entire life. He just (laughs) internalizes it. Yeah. You know, and doesn't let other people see it. But it it very much is a, I'm going to overthink things to the point where I just won't do anything. Even things that are okay. Yeah. No, I just don't talk to you guys about it. <laughs> I internalize, like John. And that's Mul- probably normal. Like John Mulaney says, I keep it in, and then one day I'll die. Yeah. 
So it, it, it is a personality thing as well. Yeah. I mean, most people don't tell their parents things. Yeah. And then the, the different approach, too, even in the midst of that, between guys and girls. So if you got a daughter, you want to ask the guy the question, what's your intentions? Yeah. If you have a son, you want to ask him, what's your intentions? I mean, to say it puts the weight on the girl... Yes, but also it puts a responsibility on the guy. It's like, dude, you're the one that I'm asking. You're the one that I'm looking at. Like, as the dad, I felt like it was my responsibility to make sure this old boy that's coming around, he's got his head on. But I also need to make sure my boy has his head on. See, but it's two different types of pressure because with guys, it's pressure beforehand. But I feel like afterhand, there's not nearly as much. But with girls, after the act, there's a lot more shaming. It's shame. Yeah, than yeah. there is for the guy. Yeah. Sure, and that's culturally. I mean, yes. that's not. Yeah. That's not. That's across the board. That's yes. not just. Yeah. So that's just that was that's just societal. one area where that societal aspect would just come into play. Yeah. Of yeah. Girls are going to get the shame side of this. You know. Because because the idea of modesty was you have to protect his mind. Like, I need to dress modestly because he can't control his mind. If he sees your cleavage, he's going to lust after it and he can't help it. So it's your job to cover it up. Yeah. And that was the idea of... I mean, it is just as much pressure on the girl in that way. But it wasn't a, what's your intention in this relationship? It was, how are you protecting the men around you from slipping quote unquote because he doesn't have a frontal lobe yes but (laughs) but girls were expected to have one that they didn't have either yeah you know so as a 15 year old girl i have to be thinking okay is what i'm wearing going to cause my brothers in christ to to be tempted you know when i shouldn't have to think about their temptation i'm not saying i'm gonna go to school in a bikini but i'm you know i shouldn't have to be thinking about their internalized temptation and guilt and all that stuff when i should be concerned about my own (laughs) yeah it's hard to get out of it it is it's hard to not have that i mean i still have that mindset yeah and it's hard Mm -hmm. to not think that way how okay i'll get myself in trouble whatever i don't care (laughs) but i mean the reality is you know working in a high school or like, we don't have to worry about, okay, it's summertime now. The temperature has changed. Immediately, we know it because in the hallways... The shorts have come back. The, short, the, the shorts have tops. disappeared. It's the, the hoodies where you can't even tell if they're wearing pants. Well, and the crop and, tops are and back. And the crop yeah. tops are back. And, you know, the only thing we have to get on to with guys is, like, take your hood down, take your hat off. Like, do they sell... Like, I can't think that there's... Again, there's no tactful way to put this. Um, Clothing, there's not a line of men's clothing or guys' clothing that you think, oh, that's that's a sexy line of clothing. Or, you know, like... Because we don't sexualize young men in the same way we sexualize young women. Yeah. So the the problem with purity culture, like, like secular society tells a girl your value is in what you look like. If you are appealing to the eye, you are more valuable. You should flaunt what you have 
because that's what your value is in. And purity culture says the same thing. Your value is your purity. You want to give your husband all of you, so you need to protect it now. So both messages are your value is sex. Your value, and I think, but I think one side, and again, it gets, you can get way deep in the weeds on this because it's so complex. But I think societally, you know, they're trying to give, they're doing the whole women empowerment thing, which Mm -hmm. I look back and laugh and say, they got the power. I've been married for 30 years. Trust me, she's got the power. But it's, they kind of say your power is in your TNA. And, and so use that to your advantage and, and enhance, whether through clothing or through uh, cosmetic, enhance that in any way because you've got the power. And I think purity culture says your power is more than that. Like, you're, it's I not, never felt that. No, and it wasn't presented. <laughs> so it wasn't presented that way, and and, yeah. and we weren't mature enough then to present it that way. But but that's kind of where I'm. I mean, that's if if there's anywhere where I'm at now, it's like, young lady, you have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. They're telling you that your power is something else, and I don't like. I wish I could notice you more, and but you're not presenting that to me. I don't think they ever. That's not what you're leading with. I don't. I don't think that's purity culture, though. I don't think purity culture was ever. This is actually your power. I think purity culture was. This is your power. Keep it in. Keep it hidden. It was keep it hidden so you can give your power to your husband. It wasn't. This is your power. Show. It well, wasn't, it was. You have these other assets. Use those. It was purely keep that to yourself so you still have that power. Because once you don't, you've lost it. Yeah, and I, it, there, not power, value. Value, beauty. yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm using, beauty. I'm using words. Sure. Yeah, beauty but, is the word. Yeah, there's a difference between power and beauty. Yeah, that's totally different. What yeah. you're saying and what and, she's saying is totally different. And it's and the purity culture then. I don't know now. We've been out. Of, we've been so far removed from this for so long. I, the count. The conversation can't be what it was. There's no way. Um, but it very matriarchal. So that's so when they would talk about the woman presenting, it was it was still the idea that the man's going to be the breadwinner that that it's going to be the nuclear family of he's going to work every day you're raising the kids you're like it it was at at the nutshell that was that was the basis. Well, and Ethan and I have talked about that before because within the church, I got comments like. You should bring things to the potluck because that's good practice. Yeah. You should work in the nursery because that's good practice. One day you're going to be a really great mom. One day you're going to be a really great wife. And and I just thought everybody got the really focused on marriage stuff until Ethan was like, I didn't get that. Like yeah. People didn't talk to me about, I mean, did you get conversations about being a good husband? Uh, maybe not so much about being a good husband. I did get the the basic. One day you'll find a good wife, you know. Yeah, but, like you'll yeah. find a Proverbs thirty one woman. Yeah, and ours was be the Proverbs thirty one woman. So, like, it was back to that. Your value is you are going to support a husband and and love your family and nurture them one day. The, like that's going to be your value. Well, the message to the guy was you don't need to be playing husband to somebody that's not your wife. You need yeah. to be. Preparing yourself as a man for a wife. So yeah. don't get so distracted with 
don't get so distracted with chasing tail that you're you're not preparing for this woman that you're going to be married to one day. Yes, but I, I think the where you're coming from with you have more power than what you look like for women, like from the church, I never got a you can be whatever you want kind oh. of talk. Like you can take on the world. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't get that. I got find a man you can follow while he takes yeah. on the world. Oh, absolutely. And so I didn't, I really felt like my only value was what are you going to give a husband one day? And so, and and we even do that now, like think about when somebody has a girl, like when they have a baby girl, they talk about what is she going to look like in her wedding dress one day? Like then, and, and you don't do that with boys. You don't think, what's he going to look like on his wedding day? You think, oh, who's he going to be? And it's just this internalized, women are going to be wives. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think that's the talk I got more as a guy was prepare yourself to be something. Yes, mm-hmm. um, so that you can lead her. Yeah, well, not even it. It honestly was never referred to oh, okay. in that relationship. Yeah, it was it was a different kind of pressure. Yeah. So so for me, I mean, I just turned thirty. Like I thought. I, I teach seniors, so I tell my kids this all the time. Like, if you had asked me when I was a senior in high school, what are you going to do with your life? I was going to go to school. I was going to get a teaching degree because I might teach one or two years before I get married and have children. And then that's going to be my whole identity is I'm somebody's wife and I'm somebody's mom. I'm going to homeschool them. We're going to do everything in the church. Like, that's who I was going to be. I'm, I wanted you to marry a worship leader. What? I so know that we like would have was, a yeah we'd have a well-rounded family yeah, church I, don't I guess. Think I ever but, said that. But it like that's what I got from the church. A and, worship leader. I don't know, but that it doesn't matter. That's what I got from the church was your value is going to be the Proverbs thirty-one wife, and so when I turned twenty-six, twenty-seven, and I didn't have a guy, I thought, what did I do wrong? Because I didn't fulfill the purpose that the church told me I was supposed to have. Yeah. Um. So that. I know that that's not really purity culture, but it is intrinsic in the church is so focused on marriage yeah. that we don't talk but about. But so I think, is Jane Austen. Well, yeah. it's just, yeah. no, she's not. Yeah, like she's, it's, it's, your whole life is going to be this relationship that you're going to have with a spouse one day. Yeah. So we're going to do everything we can to protect that relationship. Mm-hmm. And we never talk about how are you going to live your life if you don't have it. Well, and for men, I think that was where I I didn't get much of being a husband. I got being a father. Yeah. I got a lot of that. In what way? Preparing to be someone so you can be that provider, so you can be the breadwinner. Yeah. I I got that more more than I did being a husband. Providing for a family. Yeah. It's just, so as a single actual adult like now my frustration is we get a lot of marriage sermons yeah and they say to the single people in the room well you want to write this down so you remember it for when you get married one day but and and i think (laughs) purity culture was kind of the same way and and i've said this to a few friends that kind of grew up in it but like purity culture would give you like you're not going to do it so that you can have this, but it never gave you anything other than avoid it. Yeah, so what do I have right now? Well, yeah, that, but also it was never like, what do I do if I do, if, if that right. does happen? Yeah. What do I do to keep me from doing that? 
if I have these thoughts, what who who do I talk to? What do I talk about? Stuff yeah. like that. We we only got the don't do it. Don't do it. Yep. <laughs> this is why you don't do it. So don't do it. Yeah. And that was it. That's the way church is. It is. Yeah. I don't think I ever got to talk. Did you? From your parents? Nope. Heck no. You know Our parents that. didn't give the talk. You know who you've met my father. Why are you talking from a different room? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I do think part of the issue is the church is so marriage-focused that we start preaching that as soon as puberty happens, it's yeah. how can you prepare for this relationship you're going to have one day? And, I mean, a hundred years ago, when everybody got married at 15, 16, it meant, hey, in a couple of years. Yes. But now it's, you know, we're getting married at 25 or 30. Yeah. How, what am I supposed to do with the next 15 years of my life uh -huh. in which I don't have a spouse? Yeah. Besides don't have sex with people. Yep. What am I supposed to do with my life? And we didn't get those answers. We, we never got that. I don't think the church gives those answers. They don't. They so don't. I, we don't address it. Yeah. So to me, like, it's deeper than just the purity stuff. It's how, how as a church, do we handle those who experience singleness? Whether it's because they've never been married or because they get divorced. What do we do with the singleness then? Oh, two different things. Well, but... <laughs> I mean, it really is, though. But, I don't know. Like, what do you do as a single person in the church? What value do I have? Which is so... kind of crazy, because Jesus was single. Paul talked about how... Like, Paul's whole point was, get married if you can't keep it in your pants. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, it's better to be single. And I well, have... And never, how many disciples were were actually married? Yeah, I've I've never heard from the pulpit. It's better to be single. Yeah, it's well, and it it that is all taken from Old Testament. Yeah, you know, it was the the lineage thing of if your brother dies and he has a wife and they don't have any kids, then you go in and make that baby happen. And but people were like, well, you know, it's that's the the matriarchy again built in. It's like no, they were carrying on a lineage yeah like you got to understand contextually like this was the the which chosen is, people keeping the chosen people as the chosen people which is patriarchal patriot yes <laughs> patriarchal and but they they uh you know so people are looking at that that context and it's like no he was talking to the jews yeah and he was not talking to the church today yeah we are so far removed from that um and none of y'all jews nope. none of y'all are pure race like we all mutts. We all mixed up. And so, like, that, and it's awesome. So, you know, so that's that's the funny thing is in that marriage conversation, like, that's the picture. And, in, and now the divorce thing has been a hot-button issue in the church forever. I mean, I can remember that. And we don't want to go yeah, with that. Yeah, that's just been. That's a whole other. That's a whole different kind of animal. But, yeah. I, don't know. I, do, I think, I know that it's bigger than just the purity culture thing because the book that I mentioned earlier, Never Been Kissed, she came out with a book maybe five years after that. It had grace in the title. Um, and that book was about the fact that she basically got drunk one night and made out with a dude. And that's the first person she ever kissed. And the kind of the guilt and shame that she dealt with after that and then realizing 
it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not loved any less. Um, and I remember when I read that book, I told mom what it was about, and she was like, mom was disappointed that all she had done was made out with a guy. She was like, oh, I was hoping she'd slept with someone. Because, <laughs> I don't know, mom just thought that was funny. <laughs> I don't know. But that, like, when mom said that was when my brain was like, you mean that's not the worst thing that I could ever do? Like, like I just remember thinking my entire value as a person would have been shot to hell, you know, if, if I had done that. Um, and then it, it bled over into every other level of pressure and guilt and shame that I was putting on myself of, oh, I have thought my whole life that I, I sin in any quote-unquote major way, I have no value anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as we're coming into the people who were involved in creating purity culture, I mean, Joshua Harris has come out and apologized for writing I Kissed Dating Goodbye because that shame bled over into a lot of different areas of our lives. Well, and he's completely right. He's completely out of it. Well, he's deconstructed he completely. To okay. a nth level, yeah. I, I am so <laughs> grieved. I think is the word (laughs) that through this culture, through the church, that the shame that was put on me Mm -hmm. for being a pregnant teenager and starting out my life that way is basically the same shame that was placed on you on the youth in the purity. Like, I wanted a solution, Mm -hmm. but it really caused the same damage Mm -hmm. that I was trying to get away from. Yeah. (laughs) There was no healing in it. Not at all. Not at all. And no wonder you can't step out of it. Yeah. Yeah, the church looked at it, and they didn't say, hey, we've treated these people badly. Maybe we should rethink how we treat people who go through this. Instead, it said, if we prevent them from doing it, yeah. we'll never yeah. have to treat them that way. Yeah. What's the prevention? And that that comes into education as well. Education is not, let's treat, let's teach them how to have safe sex. Let's just say don't have it. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't want STDs, if you don't want a baby, just don't have sex. As opposed to, here's how it happens correctly. Like, it's, we do it in the secular world, too, if we're just yeah. going to avoid it. And they do avoid, I mean, there, let's get real, there is, there are um, problems that come along from being just flippant about relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have to, and so the message, I mean, it's a very 60s message coming out of this, you know, the sexual revolution. Mm-hmm. Those, those folks have now taken, they own, they're the, they're the people in power. They're they're the ones in politics. They're the ones that own the biz the businesses and and that and <clears throat> and so you've got that idea that floated. Around. I don't know. It seems different even now. Just in the last two or three years, has changed. But but just exploring all of your feelings, all of your emotions, all of your desires. I mean, be very animalistic in in the way you do things. Like your feelings drive everything. And, um, and so, you know, there's a point to where I do sit and watch culture right now and go like, Ooh, this experiment's kind of, 
kind of makes me nervous, and I, I go through that balance of, okay, is this stuff that, like, where's my wrestling match? Is it between all the things I've heard in the past and grew up with and taught to now I'm on this other end to where, okay, I've got this conflict of ideas, you know, working through all of that, or is it literally me sitting here going, like, I don't, when I, when I watch the process of people I don't I don't like where it looks like it's heading like the outcome of these things is is I hurt for a lot of stuff I mean I man seeing seeing little kids being able to make some of the decisions they're able to make right now when they're not mature enough to make them like I grieve for some of these kids to where it's like man is this what's how's this going to end up for you but then it's also like, well, it's none of my damn business for one. But. Well, and then the issue is, is not the world. Like the problem is not the world. The problem at that point in time during purity culture was that the church's response was nothing. Like it was all was the world, and nothing was the church, and nobody there's educated no, in a way about balance. There's no balance. There's no. Here's how to be a healthy adult. You know, here's how to have healthy relationships. It's kind. It's like how there there's so many parents in the church that are like, I don't want my kid to cuss. So any movie, book, song, anything yeah. that cusses, they will not hear. Yeah. Because if they don't hear it, I don't have to worry about them doing it. I don't have to worry about them doing it without thinking of what happens when they do. When they, it, yeah, what happens when they encounter something? Yeah. How do you handle it intelligently? Yeah. And I, you can't, and you can't just pin that on. I don't want to use this word. You can't just pin that on the religious side of things. That, no, that's on the other side. I mean, we yeah. talk about cancel culture. Yeah, no, yeah. it's both that sides. Is, that is the same mentality of, oh, as yeah. long as we hide this away from them and never talk about it and act like it never existed, but I also then they won't do it. I also think cancel culture is a product of that. I think it's these people who grew up in it, and oh, they they're like, from, "We're turning it around." They like learned from the church. Yeah, yeah. No, like it's yeah, and I mean, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. Well, again, I think you're at that point that the sexual revolution, the '60s babies, and mm-hmm. the, they they are reacting to what they saw growing up. Like they they were. Held, I disagree. Held down I think, so long. I think purity culture was because of that. It was. I think purity culture was because of the revolution, and now we're in this because of purity culture, and eventually we'll get back to the church doing it. Oh, yeah. It's just a bouncing back and forth. Sure. Overcorrect. Yeah. Instead of wisdom, we react. Yeah. Yes. And no, because I don't see people in power being what anything in culture is today. I think it's people in power seeing millennials, people who grew up in this purity culture of the early 2000s, Doing it, and they're like, oh, we're just going to follow this. Well, I think cancel culture is being driven by a younger generation. It's Gen Z. It is. It's, yeah. That's a younger, younger I, I generation. I don't think it's Gen Z. I think it's millennials. Well, it's influencers. I yeah. mean, it really is. It's, so yeah. those are those are athletes. Those are actors. Those are. It's very much in the artsy entertainment realm, hmm. you know, social, you know, with uh, uh, viral and all well, of that. And I think it started with millennials. Gen Z's have perfected it in that Probably. they're very effective at shutting someone down very it happens quickly. quickly. Well, the quickly. difference is millennials. And it does not have to even be true. Yeah, the difference is millennials learned online presentation. 
Gen Z's grew up with it. In it. It, yeah. it has always been life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't But it... Is, would there be any point when we could respond with something more healthy than here's a different kind of shame? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> when do we get a balance? When do we get not shame? Yeah. And that's where you know it, that's where just kind of because you brought it up and we did, I didn't feel like we needed to get there yet, but of kind of where we are now of I guess used to I felt like I had to fix everything. And now I'm kind of like, you know what? You fi- you got to figure it out for yourself. You've got to figure it out for yourself. There's, I guess it's, I guess I spent all those years with all the answers. And then, you know, I, did, I self-described a couple of weeks ago as not being happy. And it's like, you know, there's a, a point to where you sit there and go, okay, so all this stuff that we were doing for so long that, well, I'm not doing anymore. You know where 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 did that get lost in the middle of it? Was was the happiness lost when I stepped away from those things? I don't think so because it was all too close together. Or I don't know. I guess it's ultimately just looking at truth. But I realized that not everybody's going to be happy with the things that I'm happy with. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have a a buddy. He's his brain runs a million miles an hour, and he he notices everything. Like he is he is ADD to the bone, but he notices everything. And he t- the other day we were talking, he was like, you know, you you talk like you're not a social person, but you are. And I know I I I am. I I thrive around people, but I'm just at this place to where people are kind of exhausting right now. And and so to Jeanette, she's never thrived around a group of people for me i, I kind of want to get back to that person to where i i love being around people again because i know that that's when i was happy mm-hmm. you know jeanette i don't think jeanette will ever be that and it kind of has always been like people are exhausting and so she's been happy with the absence of people you know i, I know i'm sound like i'm talking in circles but it's like <laughs> People have got to figure that out for themselves. And so I look at when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to all this identity stuff that's going on that I don't know. I just look at it and go, you know what? I'm not even going to try to answer the the right or wrong question of it because, again, it's none of my damn business. But two, I don't don't know for sure. Yeah. Uh, You know? I mean, there's again, there's some things that I've got some flags that pop up and go... Mm, that just doesn't sound healthy, but in the in the scheme of things, it's like you know, I'm here for you when it's going on. Like if you you probably don't even need me, so I'm not gonna act like you need me. Like the arrogance of that side of it too. But so what 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 is our place? I mean, I mean this is where we are. Yeah, in our life right now, as we are not in the church anymore. Uh, we're not in the church culture anymore, and we, well, except for you guys. You and guys are. We go to church. I go to church because that's where I have people, and if I don't have people, I will hide away in a room and get really depressed. That's where I am in my right. life. I wouldn't but say I we're know, in like, the church. No. What, what, what do we do now? Well, what is our... 
response, not reaction, but response to what we've talked about today. You, Where do we go from here? You do not have to apologize, one. So whatever internalized thing you're going to walk away with. <laughs> in no, I don't think in any way are we blaming anyone else in this room. We no. all grew up and grew out of a culture together. Yeah. Um, so don't don't well, go sit somewhere and think that you've made me a shamed person or something. <laughs> oh, she does. Oh, I know. Well, I think it goes back to what Mom said about shame. I think it. I think that is our <coughs> reaction is to not put shame on anyone and is to yeah. just love and understand. Yeah, and I think that's part of the root. I don't know. I don't know about all of us, but for me and Mom, I think part of the root of why we were out of church was because it was a place of shame. And we didn't have energy for that anymore. So we got out of it. Um, so I think for us, it's, you know, how do we live a life of, I think we all love Jesus. How do we have that love in us, but not express it to others in a way that makes them feel that shame that we had to deal with for so long? Yeah. Yeah. That That's what I mean is, where do we go from here? What what is what does my love for Jesus look like? Yeah. To other people and how do I express that to other people uh with not being in the church or and not really having the desire to be in church. Yeah. And I for me it is it is sharing my struggles so that people know they're not alone. Mm-hmm. That's what helps me and that's typically what helps other people is okay, so you live through it. And you're okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Let's just keep growing. The thing I stay guarded on is shame has been the commodity of the church. Yeah. It's throughout my experience. Is is shame in one way or another, whatever the package is, is, is what was laid out in a way that, you know, you've, we're going to give you all the shame. We're going to tell you that we can help you get rid of it. But the way we keep you coming around is we give you more shame to get rid of to <laughs> make sure you can get rid of it. Or if you're not here, you got shame that comes from that. And then you have to come back with your tail between your legs. <laughs> and the thing that I don't want is like my answer to it is the gospel. You know what? I do believe that Jesus came, he lived, he died. And I, I think the reason was that, that God sent him. Um, how all of that plays out, I still wrestle with a lot as far as the the implications of that. Um, But I don't want the gospel to become a commodity of, like it belong, it doesn't, it doesn't just belong to an organization. Like that's, that's where the, the, the struggle. So when you ask the question, what do we do? I mean, for me, the answer is the gospel. You package that in a way of this God loves you no matter where you're at. You know, kind of the one four one four three thing. Love you just the way you are enough to sacrifice. And so, but I don't, my avoidance is it becoming a product. Yeah. And I, I just think ultimately... The, the response is, you know, the, the cast the first stone passage. People want to say, they want to focus on the, that he who is without sin cast the first stone. Like, you don't have the right to judge me. But 
to me, the more important part is that Jesus looks at the woman and says, neither do I condemn you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it's the, how do, how do you, how does the church teach people to, to lead a, that abundant life without the condemnation? You know, because Jesus doesn't give us the condemnation. I don't know, but I have to say this. If you listen to this podcast, <laughs> please comment. Because I want some comments. Like, we can read the comments and talk about the comments. (laughs) But I want to know what your perspective is on what we've talked about. And purity culture and where you stand. And what you've experienced. And what you've learned. The family that podcasts together, Reddit. Is that what we need? Yeah. Yeah. Instagram or something. Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. Y'all thought we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Oh, I knew it was. That's why I said, let's just get going. I just didn't want to. (laughs) All right. I think that's a good place to stop. So, yeah. (laughs) So, in closing, (laughs) love each other. Be excellent to each other. And keep your straw out of the tomato.